I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. Grew up in this apostolic thing, and uh, this is all I know. Uh, most of you know, you all know my testimony. I grew up as a preacher's kid, pastor's kid, and was born into this. And uh, But I, I grew up seeing a grandfather that had so much faith. He was, he was a simple man, and uh, he is not on this earth now, so I can say it without hurting his feelings. He, <laughs> trying to be as nice as I can, but probably was, he wasn't the greatest preacher on the planet. Uh, he just, when I was 10 years old, to me, he was the greatest preacher in the world because I didn't understand what a good preacher was. But the older I got, Brother Davis, I realized that he wasn't that great of a preacher. He he probably had one or two messages. He he didn't really... Uh, his vernacular wasn't very great. He uh, spoke sometimes. He sounded like a hillbilly, kind of like me. He kind of passed that out on. And... Uh, but there was something that he had, Brother Tony, that he, it was, it was a hot, searing anointing, and he had a gift. He, it was a simplicity about him. It was a simple thing that he, he truly believed the impossible when, when everything around him fell apart. And everybody was in, chaotic, in a chaotic mood. They just didn't know what to do, what was going to happen. He, he was so gentle and so calm. And he said, God's got it in control. And this is what's going to happen. God is going to do this and God's going to do that. And it would happen. I, for instance, uh, I, we was on a, my, my family cut trees. And there was this huge oak tree that my dad uh, was, was cutting it was leaning where it was supposed to go. And it, it was this huge, huge oak tree. My father, I think, even had to rent a bigger saw to cut it. He had notched it right. But when he back cut it, I don't know if you know anything about dropping trees, but sometimes when there is unseen scars in the tree, whether it's hollow inside or if it's been hit by lightning, it'll kick back and it'll split. And that thing cut back, and it split, and it started going towards uh, thousands of dollars worth of fence and other equipment. And we were standing there, and I was just sick to my stomach because I knew that tree was about 120 foot tall, and it was going towards, and it was going to destroy things, and it looked like it was going to come back where my father was standing. And I saw my grandfather... He pointed at it. There's all these people standing around. They're not Christians. They don't go to church. He pointed at it. He said, I command you, tree, to fall the other direction in the name of Jesus. That tree was falling this way, and all of a sudden this strong wind came up and started to blow, and it pushed that tree back the other way, and it fell. I saw it. And I saw, I witnessed those men's face. And they're, they're, they was amazed. And my, and my dad ended up teaching Bible studies out of that because it, they was enamored by what happened. But I, I grew up around that. And when he passed away, I don't know how you feel 
about what I'm getting ready to say, but it happened. When he passed away, my, I walked up to his casket and I looked at him. I said, God, you uh, have a great man here that, you, that we lost. And he had a great ministry. And I'm asking you, if you would give his portion to me, I, I, I want it. And I don't know uh, if it's there yet, but I believe that God has used me in the past and He's going to use me in the future. It's not a bragging thing, but I believe what God has shown me and God's worked through me in, 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 in times. I believe that God has used me in miracles and I believe that He's going to continue to do that. And I believe that's a, a, a call that I have gotten. And I believe with all my heart, I've seen miracles I've seen them happen when we prayed immediately. I've seen men and women get half what we think is half miracles or a piece of, of, of healing. And uh, they claim it and then they go tomorrow morning and they still feel the pain. I don't understand all that. Thing, all that. And I don't understand why not everybody's gotten healed that we prayed for. We've had you come up to the front. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But that feeling sometimes can keep us from going forward and it can keep us from believing that God can. We, we base our belief at times when we don't, we, it doesn't happen like we think it should happen. And we get frustrated. But I still believe that God is a healer. I still believe that He does miracles. I, the, the, the man that got his sight when Jesus spit in his face, literally spit in his eyes, and remember, you remember Brother Robertson preached about it a few weeks ago. He received his sight halfway. Remember, he saw trees or men as they were trees. He was confused, I, uh, and I got to wondering about that. And I thought, well, God, was it the lack of faith of the man that was blind that he only received it halfway? I don't think so. And I know it wasn't the lack of the ability of Jesus Christ because when He does something, He does it right. He doesn't just do things halfway. And I got to praying about that. And I got to uh, trying to get some understanding about that. And I feel like God gave me a revelation of what happened. Sometimes when people get miracles right off, they stop seeking God. Let's face it. Pain forces us to our knees. Pain forces us to seek the face of God. And if that man would have gotten his uh, sight right off, he'd have walked away from Jesus. But he, when Jesus done it, not halfway, but he just gave him a piece of his miracle, it was teaching him that it's a process of seeking the face of God. It was, a, it was not a halfway miracle. It wasn't just something that he, Jesus rigged and failed and messed up. He was saying it is, uh, it is a, half, a process in which you will seek me. He said the more that we sing it, the more I seek him, the more I find him. And sometimes God doesn't give all the miracle to us at once because he knows that if we get it, that we'll stop seeking him. That's the only thing I could come up with. That's the best that I could come up with. I want to, pre I want to talk to you this morning. I, I, you, don't, you don't have to stand, Matthew. 
uh, 13, 54 through 58, and when he came, uh, when he was come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished. They were astonished, which means they were ma- amazed. They were blown away of his ability, his, his knowledge, his ability to speak wisdom. They were shocked. They were amazed. They were impressed. Say they were impressed. And said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? He's very familiar. We know who he is. He's just uh, uh, this regular carpenter. Whence then hath this man all these things? How does he know all these things? And they offered in him, they were offended in him. The reason they were offended in him, because they saw him like they looked at themselves and they knew that they couldn't do or say what he said. They were offended. They were mad. They were jealous. They were ticked off. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is, is not without honor, saving in his own country and in his own house. And listen to what happened. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. It just got done telling me that they knew who he was. They had an acquaintance or some kind of relationship with him. They knew who he was. So what it tells me, it takes more than just to know him. It was more than just knowing who Jesus is. It was the perception of what he was. Or the lack of perception, excuse me, of what he was. That's what kept him from doing miracles in that place. Matthew 23 and 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often, listen to what he says, how often would I have gathered thy children together? Even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her her wings, and ye would not... What he was saying was, I have given you opportunity for you to receive a miracle. And you didn't get in the position to receive that miracle. This morning, I just want to talk to you for a while about miracles that never happened. Miracles that never happened. You may be seated. A great part of the ministry of Jesus Christ, it consists... In his miracles. There are 35 recorded uh, miracles in the Gospels. 23 times it stated that he healed them all or everyone. There was nobody left out, which tells me that it wasn't, it, 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 there was times that Jesus could not heal, and there was times that Jesus healed them all. He healed everybody. Was it Jesus' inability or lack of ability to do a miracle when He did not heal? Did He wake up one day and lose His power or lose His ability? Did He wake up one day and say, I just am not in the mood to heal? I don't think that was the case at all. 
Jesus has never changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the same today as He was then. He still has as much power as He did in the Scriptures. These miracles were meant to teach. They were meant to reveal and to demonstrate His deity. They served as illustrations to a deeper spiritual truth. Miracles are incredible. They were also a reminder of the consequences of sin, sickness, blindness, death, and power of God. To, uh, he, that he could, he could destroy those, those, uh, those things when He came. They were uh, a point that He chose to use to say that I'm in charge. I have the ability to, to reverse what you did in the garden, Eve and Adam, when you sinned and you failed. I have the ability to come and make things right in your life. That's what He came to do. He came to reverse the curse of sin. Without His healing power, we would be bound by sickness. We would be bound by disease. With His, with, with his healing power, He uh, gave us hope that the world had never seen before. Before He came, there was absolutely any hope. There was none. Before He showed up, sickness and death ruled the world. But Jesus came to undo sin and set healing in motion in our lives. Jesus came to restore back what was rightfully ours, which was perfection. That's why He came. Because he had had a relationship with man. He, it was a perfect place in the garden. I heard Mike Williams say, uh, because of times, uh, it, was, it was something that i never forget. He said, don't ever think that uh, uh, because you're sick, it, it's something that God sent you. God doesn't make anybody sick. You've heard preachers say that. Because, and, he, and he made a point, he said, you won't hear of anybody sick in the Bible in the first two chapters. And you won't hear of anybody sick in the last two chapters of Revelations. Because in between that times when the, de uh, the devil's on the loose. And in those times, in the first part of the Bible and the last part of the Bible, he's bound. So it was never God's will for anybody to be sick or have disease. But He came, and that's why He did miracles, signs and wonders, to prove that He was a healer and that He could reverse the curse of sin and death. Can I tell you this morning that God still heals sick bodies? Don't ever let the devil trick you into believing that there is no hope for you. I know you've been down here a thousand times getting prayed for. I know you've prayed... Brother Cook, before you went to bed, I know you've been anointed a hundred times. But don't let the devil ever tell you that you cannot be healed. Because we as humans tend to think if it doesn't happen right now, that somehow God's uh, limited in His abilities. Or there's something wrong with me. I just, I, maybe I just, uh, I've sinned or I've failed somehow, but God has a plan for us. I said, God has a plan for us. I recall the, the man that was laid at the gate daily. He was at the temple every single day of his life. I wonder how many times Jesus passed by him. 
Jesus went to the temple all the time. And three and a half years, Jesus walked by him. And Jesus, he didn't have a place to lay his head, didn't have no money. And I'm sure that that man looked at Jesus and asked him of alms. How many times did Jesus walk by him? And he didn't get his miracle. You know what I believe the reason was behind that? I believe Jesus, knowing the future, said there's going to be two men that need their faith build, and there's going to be the right people there in the future. And Peter and John is going to walk by one day, and the man's going to say, I need some alms. And he know he knew that Peter and John would say, Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, give I thee, rise up and walk. And there was the right people at the right time that witnessed that miracle. And you know what? They were saved. Sometimes God passes us by to prove points and and He doesn't give us what we want at the time, but you can rest assured that there is going to be a day that's coming when you will get your healing. I'm getting off of my notes here. The Bible lets us know that these 35 miracles recorded are but a few selected miracles among many others that are not recorded. John 20 and 30 through 31 says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ. Excuse me. The Son of God. And that believing ye might have life through his name. He wrote about the miracles. Why? So that we would believe in salvation. He did those miracles because He was setting them up for a greater miracle. He didn't just heal their body just to let them think that He was some kind of some great prophet or great power. He healed them because He had in mind to save their soul. And that is why the Bible says that He healed and wrote about it in the Bible. Why? So we could believe into salvation. That is the greatest miracle that has ever been is when somebody comes down here and repents and is baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Can I tell you this night, day, that we in this last day need an apostolic anointing so we could go forward into the highways and byways and lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Not to just show them that we have some kind of cool power, but that we have salvation and that they need to be born again of the water and the Spirit. That is why that He did miracles, signs, and wonders. He did it to draw them. Jesus fed the, the multitude with the few loaves and fishes. and we, we always preach about that. We always think that's an awesome miracle, and it is. He fed five, over 5,000 people with a few fish and, low, and a few loaves of bread. That's an awesome miracle. You know why he did that? We, we, we preach about it and shout about that. You know why he did that? He did it to keep them there. That was the primary miracle for them to receive salvation. But the problem with us, we go around chasing after signs and miracles 
when in all reality the miracles and signs should be following after us. The Bible says that a fool chases after a sign. But the, it also says that these signs shall follow them that believe. That everywhere I go, when I'm preaching salvation, that there will be miracles, signs, and wonders. It should happen automatically. Am I telling the truth? We put a lot of stock in, and I, 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 I've just got done telling you that God wants to do miracles. But we put a lot of emphasis on, if I don't get this, I don't get that, blah, blah, blah. We got the greatest miracle that has ever been. We got taken out of, 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 of a pool of iniquity and sin, and we were uh, drug addi- addicted and alcohol addicted and, and broken homes, and God brought us out of that and fixed us and, and set us on a rock, and we were falling apart. But aren't you glad today that Jesus Christ found you somewhere? That's the greatest of all miracles. Excuse me. i I, got to get back to where I'm at. I I do have a point I'm making. Listen, listen. He says in John 21 and 25... He says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did. Now, this, this, this verse blows my mind. It, 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 wasn't, it, it was the truth. You know how some people, uh, when they tell a story, they embellish something? You know, you ever heard somebody tell a story, they embellish something? You know, our pastor, when he caught the big fish? He's not here. You could tell him I said it. The shark? Yeah. A 40-foot shark that about flipped his boat. But, the, but you, you would think that this, this John is embellishing. Listen to what he says. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. And with the which, if they should be written, everyone, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. What do you mean by that? Was that an embellishment or what? The world could not contain. It could not hold what He has done. Can you imagine? Think about that for a minute. The books that He had done could not, the world could not contain it. It, 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 The world's not big enough to house the books that were, should be written about what He's already done. Don't tell me that God can't heal you. Don't tell me that God can't fix your problem. Don't tell me that God can't fix your bank account. He's already done it. He's been there, done that. There's nothing that God has not done for somebody, and God will do it for you. But as impressive as these miracles are, there are hints and even more than just hints of miracles that might have happened had the hearts of men been receptive that would have been beyond anything that he had ever done. There was miracles that God was ready to do. But men stand in the way of what he wanted to do. It is clear that more than once he was at the point of a working of a miracle, but somehow he was hindered. There are needs here today that only God can take care of. But there are that we are the only thing that can stand between God 
and giving us that miracle. You hear me? He was in his hometown. And the reason he was there was to do miracles. He wanted to heal. He wanted to deliver. He wanted to heal the blind and unstop the deaf ear. But they began to analyze who he was. And their mindset blocked God's ability to move in their life and create a miracle. They knew who he was. They knew all about him. But he walked away. Jesus walks away going, I could have healed. I could have delivered. But their mindset kept me from doing a miracle. A couple chapters later, you see that Jesus goes right down the road. The same God, the same power. And the Bible says that all the sick came to Him. And He healed every single one of them. Same God. Same power. Same Holy Ghost. Just a different location and a different mindset of people. Which tells me that our mindset can get in the way of us receiving what God wants. It's all about our lack or our, our lack of anticipation or our or our faith. You, you, you feel it sometimes. You come in here on a Wednesday night. Oh, it's just Wednesday night Bible study. And everybody's just sitting there. Nothing's happening. That's called the... Wednesday night mentality. I'm 38 years old. I've been in, in this 38 years, and it's always been like that. People have all... When, Wednesday night mentality. Nothing happens. See, we can't have church on Wednesday night. Really. We have Bible study Wednesday night. We can't baptize people on Wednesday night because it's Wednesday night. We're supposed to baptize people when it's on Sunday night. Why? Why can't God fill somebody with the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night? I'll tell you why. Because we got to be out of here at 8.30. And God's sitting up here going, just say the word. I'm going to pounce on it. Just say the word. I'm going to do it. Whatever you want. I, I just, I'm asking you, whosoever will, I want to do it. Oh, I can't. It's Wednesday night. Why? God can't you, we, uh, work on uh, Sunday morning. Why? Because we went up. We was up late on Saturday night, and uh, we we had to get up early. And, and God can't move on Sunday morning. It's a, it's a mentality we get. But we all sudden come here Sunday night. It's night. We all got our uh, we can't, we got to wear black on Sunday night. We we wear brown shoes on Sunday. It's a mentality. We're all psyched up for it, and we expect it to happen. And that's when God moves. Can I tell you? I'm telling the truth. I'm not joking about it. I, I, I find myself, eh, it's only Wednesday night, I'll just dress like this. It's a mentality that we get in our... It's, it's, trying to find the words. It's frustrating because we come in here and our mindset keeps God from doing what He wants to do in our midst. So we only have good church... Once in a while. On Sunday nights. Why? Because God can only really move on Sunday nights. He just really doesn't do it on Sunday morning hardly anymore. I wonder what would happen if we would all get up 
and make up our minds that we're going to have good church on purpose. I've got a purpose here today. You think for one minute that Jesus would have went to Zacchaeus' house if he had just been standing in the back of the crowd with his arms folded and going, man, I hope he comes today. That's but it's Monday. I think. You know what he did? He got his short little statured body and he climbed a tree and he positioned himself to get a glimpse of Jesus. And because he climbed with purpose, I don't know how far he had to hike up that little tree. I just picture that little short dude pulling his way up a tree and he finally gets to the top of the tree. Why? Because he had a purpose. And God always notices people with purpose. I always bring it up, but it's an, it's an awesome point. The woman with the issue of blood. She had a purpose. She had a mindset. She had what we call a Sunday night mentality. And for 12 years, she had a Wednesday night mentality. But one day she gets up. She's, she's I'm dying. I'm, I've lost everything. I have no more options. I don't know where else I'm going to do. I've just got to get to the feet of Jesus. That was why she got her miracle. Uh, I heard Brother Jeff Arnold say this uh, this year. He said, the difference between the throng of people that was around him, which was hundreds, was knocking in different ways, and the woman that had the issue of blood was everybody else had a hand mentality. They wanted a handout, so they were at his hands. But she was at his feet because she had a feet mentality. And people that have feet mentality or servant mentality, they're the ones that get miracles. Why? Because they're the ones that serve with purpose. That was the difference. She had a mentality to get to Jesus. i gotta, I got to get my miracle. I need Him to touch me. Miracles are birthed out of desperation. Blind Bartimaeus was the same way. He, he had never seen a miracle. Never, ever witnessed a miracle. Question, if you had never seen a miracle, would you believe? Let's be honest. If you had never seen God work a miracle, would you believe? see some people going human mentality is if they don't see it they're not they're not going to believe it blind Barnabas had never seen a miracle common sense he was blind he'd never seen it which tells me he'd heard and he received his faith by the right senses because the Bible says not to walk by sight but walk by faith faith cometh by Hearing. So he didn't need to see a miracle. And that's why he got what he, he got. Because he got his faith from what he had heard. He knew that Jesus was a healer. And he called his way through the crowd, even though that they pushed him back. Luke four sixteen through 21 And he came to Nazareth, Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for, to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel 
to the poor and hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted and preach deliverance to the captives and recovering sight to the blind and set at, the, at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and he sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began to say unto them, This day is his, this scripture fulfilled in your ears. There in his, in all likelihood, there was people that were sick, had leprosy, possessed of the devil, sorry and burdened, and the unburied dead in Nazareth. In Mark 6 and 5, the Bible says, And he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. This day is the Scripture fulfilled in your ears. And the total effect on the, multi, uh, the attitude was the difference that kept Jesus from doing a miracle. It was their attitude towards Him. It wasn't the lack of God's ability. It wasn't that God said, well, it's not timing in His life for Him to get her His, or lack, lacking of time in, 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 for her to get hers, but it was their attitude that kept Jesus from giving them what they needed. Say, we need an attitude adjustment. There was but a short step between them and eternal life, but it was a step that they had to take, but they never took it. There were miracles that never happened that could have happened. Imagine being in the presence of God. And He was their only hope. He was the answer to the problem that they had had for so long that they had went to doctors, they couldn't be healed. And He was there and He left. And they died without their miracle. And it was all because of their mindset and their attitude towards Him. He says, Matthew 23 and 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. At the end of his life, he stood and looked over the city of Jerusalem and he wept. What miracles in his mind he said, I could have done it. Just said the word. Just had the right attitude. But his own received him not. Had Caiaphas and Herod and Pilate arisen from their evil dreams and, and opened their opportunity knocking at their, at their door. It dazzles one to think what might could have happened in their lives. Right before them, they had the healer. They had the deliverer in their, in their, in their, right in front of them. They had the truth. And what they do? They put him to death. And he could have changed their lives forever. And I know it was God's will for him to die. But standing in front of them was the answer to every problem that they had ever had. But they take him away. Get him out. Luke 4, 25-27, But I tell you the truth, many, many, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land, but unto none of them was Elias sent, save the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman. 
Naaman was the only one willing to do what it would take for him to receive his healing. But there were many more. Matthew eight twenty eight, And when he was coming to the other side of the country of, of the gatherings, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And Matthew records two demon-possessed men. And the record records one was delivered. What happened to the other? You say, he was too bad. The other one was too bad. No, he wasn't. The one that he healed was full of 6,000 devils. And what about the men of the city who come out and prayed that Jesus would depart, that he would depart from their coast. Jesus had got done delivering a man with approximately 6,000 devils that hurt them every day. They held them hostage in fear. They tried to tame the man. He would break chains and fetters, and they couldn't go that way. They had to go the long way around. They couldn't even go around him because he would hurt them. The saddest prayer request I ever heard is when they asked Jesus to leave. Because they cared more about their pigs. They cared more about their temporary blessings, their hogs. Jesus had just cast out 6,000 devils and they said, Hey, can you get out of here? I need you to leave. When their kids were at home sick and dying, and then they was lost, and they were they, they didn't have anything, they was poor. They and Jesus could have blessed them, but they asked him to leave. Miracles that could have happened, but their attitudes kept him. God, I pray that the apostolic church would start embracing the power of God. And quit casting him out of their church, his, him out of their church, and quit throwing holiness out of the doors of their church. Why? Because this is the thing that's going to keep us. This is the thing that's going to save us. I'm sick and tired of pe- people caring more about the pigs than the presence of God, because He's the only one that can save us. He's the only one that can heal us. He's the only one that can redeem us. Come to my house, Jesus. Oh my. Wow. Woman with the issue of blood. That day was recorded. There was a bunch of people that touched Jesus, but she was the only one that got her miracle. It was the attitude. That's what... Think about it. There was hundreds that touched Him. But it was her attitude that made him stop and turn around and say, who touched me? And the apostles, the disciples were saying, what are you talking about? Who touched you? There's all kinds of people that touch me. He's going to know what he was really saying was, who has the right attitude? It's about the, it's about our, the way we view him. It's the, it's the way we, we look at him. He's not our sugar daddy. He's not a God that we, we, that, that we just we can get and get and get and get and get. Think about her mentality. She said, if I can just touch Him, I just want to touch Him. That's all I want. 
I wonder what would happen if we come to church and said, I don't want anything else. I just, I just come to touch the hem of His garment. I know if I can just touch Jesus that something will happen in my spirit. I, I don't even really know, Brother Davis, if she knew that she was going to get her miracle. But she knew that something, everything was going to be alright. If I can just touch Him. I know it's going to be all right. If I died after I touched him, I know I got to touch him. I know if I didn't get my miracle, I know I got to touch him. How many times have you come to church, or have we come to church, just saying, I, all I need, I just want to touch Jesus. I just want to spend time with Jesus. I don't know about you, but I am more prone to give somebody my money, my time, my work, my abilities. I'm more prone to give it to somebody that just likes me for who I am. That doesn't have a welfare mentality. That just wants to be around me so it would benefit them. I'm sure I know all y'all are like that. Who would you be more prone to give to? Your friend that's given something to you or helped you or bought you something or given to you or somebody that Constantly ask, I want this, I want to give me this, I want that. You got the welfare mentality. Finally, you get an attitude say, why don't you go work for what you're going to get? When are you going to give back to society? Don't you think that's how God feels? Constant God, God, I want you this, I want that, I want you to do this for me, I want you to do this, I want you to... Hey, God... I want to give you my praise. I want, to, I want to give you my adoration. God, I want to give you my time. This is what I want. And God says, you know what? You've spent time on your knees. You're my sons and you're my daughters. You've always given. You've given to your brothers and you've given to your sisters. You've always been there for me. You've, you've loved me. You've, you've stood the test of time. You got that straight I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you your blessings, what you need. I'm just being honest this morning. I have three boys. I, I got one. I'm, I'm not trying to throw any, any of them under the bus. But we got what you call in our house. We, we still got, uh, what, you, what is it? When they, we give allowance. And at times, let me just say it this without embarrassing any of my boys because you could probably guess which one don't like to work or whatever. But there's times when my boys, they're just flat out lazy. And they don't want to do nothing. If whatever, it's video games, basketball, baseball, whatever. But they want me to constantly give them something. Dad, I need... I need $10 to go here. Well, you just asked me for 20 yesterday, and I gave it to you. 
And, and last week you asked me for 25, and I gave it to you before long. I'm... Well, son, I asked you to clean the garage, and you didn't do it. Yeah, but you gave him money. He's kept his room cleaned all week, and yours looks like a pigsty. Do you think as a father... You think as a father that I want to willingly give that boy his allowance when he never deserved it? When he never gave back? When he never worked for it? And that's the way we are with God. We, we think God owes us things. I'm your child. I got the Holy Ghost. What about the law of the harvest that says you reap what you sow? And we expect God to be our sugar daddy, but he's not. And God is more willing to give His children gifts, healing, people that want to come for the right reasons, with the right mentality, the right heart. Hey, you may not have a dime. You may not have any money in the bank. But you know what you have? You have hands that, that can be lifted. You've got a mouth that you can lift your voice to God. And that's what God wants out of you. He wants your heart. He wants your worship. And that's who Jesus is willing to to stop for. He's willing to stop for. John 5, 1 through 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there was, is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these, in these listen, lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season of the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whosoever disease. He healed them all. Every single one of them would have been healed if they could have made it to water. And a certain man was there, which had been lame, uh, an infirmity, excuse me, for 38 years. 38 years. He had an infirmity. Every time he tried to get to the water, Somebody would step in front of him. And he never made it. 38 years. I am pretty sure that there had been people only there for days that had more energy than him. That when the angel came, they jumped in front of him. He never got his miracle. 38 years. I'm 38 years old. 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been... Now a long time in that case, and he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool. He was that helpless. He was as bad case, as case as you could get. But while I am coming, another steppeth before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise up and take thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. If you study that scripture, that was the only man that was recorded that got their healing. Jesus could have done other things. But he walked away and there was one man. One man. And there was numerous miracles that never happened 
And it had everything to do with, they was focused on that pool. I, I, for ignore him. I want to get to the pool. Ignore Jesus. Miracles are happening all Ignore the, it was their attitude. Luke 9, 51 says, And it come to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. And he steadfastly set his face and go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And they went and entered in the village of Samaritans to make ready for him. And they received not, uh, excuse me, and they did not receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? even as Elias did. And he turned and rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. For the Son son of Man is not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. He left. They might have happened. What might have happened in the Samaritan village did not because they missed their chance. Their attitude. He could have healed them. But he didn't. What could have Judas had been? I mean, his schooling was from the best. He had seen the greatest of all miracles. He saw Peter walk on water. He saw him raise Lazarus from the dead. He saw Jesus heal the blinded eye. He saw him heal the deaf ears, resurrect Jairus' daughter, resurrect the, uh, the widow's son of Nain. He saw them. He interrupted a funeral procession, and Judas was standing there. What could he have been? He could have been the greatest preacher that ever graced a pulpit. But his attitude towards him kept him from receiving a miracle. They were looking for a lion... The Jews were, and they received a lamb, and they missed him. They were looking for a warrior. He came as a peacemaker, and they missed him. They were looking for a king, but he came as a servant, and they missed him. They were looking for a, uh, the liberation from Rome. He submitted, submitted to them to a Roman cross. They missed him. They were looking for him to fit in their mold, but he, was, he broke out of their mold. They missed him. They expect him to ride on a white, white horse, but he rode in on a donkey. They missed him. They were looking for somebody to fix a temporary need. But he was there to give them eternal salvation. But they missed him. I wish I'd have done this a little better this morning. He has come time and time and time again to do things that are missed. And how many times have we walked out of here unchanged? The same exactly as we walked in. And we walked, it's our fault. It is never, ever God's fault that we walk in here unchanged. Miracles that he could have done, but he didn't because of our unbelief. Oh, my. I want so much for us to come in here one time with the same mind, the same heart, and that is to lift up the name of Jesus. It would absolutely blow 
our mind. I'm telling you, I already know what will happen tonight. We'll come here tonight and there will be people coming here with a Super Bowl in their brain. I've seen one Super Bowl in my life and I think it was because we got snowed in one year. It was about 20 years ago. Seen one. I like it as much as I like I like football. I love it. I, I want Peyton Manning to win. But you know what I'd rather see tonight than Peyton Manning win? I'd rather see somebody walk in here tonight and put in that baptismal tank. Hey, I know we got issues and we got problems, and I know we're dealing with sicknesses. But I tell you, I know what would happen if we walked in here with one mind and one accord in one place. The same exact thing that would ha- that happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts in chapter 2 when the Bible says they were all in one place in one mind and one accord. They had everything they had. They was there. They prayed for ten days and they had one thing in mind and they were waiting for Jesus to send the comforter. That's what would happen tonight if we came. He would send the fire and he would Send the wind. Hallelujah. 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 So I challenge you tonight. I challenge you. You've got a problem, you've got an issue in your body, whether it's sickness, you've got a problem in your finances. I challenge you to come here tonight. I challenge you. I promise you, you will leave here and God will move in your life. I challenge you. To walk in this place tonight with praise on your mouth and a worship in your heart and thanksgiving coming out of your body and lifting up the name of Jesus. I promise you, you will walk out of here different. I challenge you. Oh my, I I feel the Holy Ghost right now, really strongly in here, right now. I think we should all stand and give God glory right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I challenge you to worship God in spirit and in truth. I challenge you today to worship God like you've never worshipped God in your life. I challenge you tonight to come here with a praise on your mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, let's worship the Lord for a few minutes. Hallelujah. He's here right now. He's walking the aisle. You don't have to wait tonight. You don't have to wait for tonight. Your miracle's right here. The Lord is walking the aisles of McCormick's Creek, and He's looking for somebody that's desperate for a miracle. Don't walk out of here and wonder if you'd ever got your miracle. He's right here. Hallelujah. 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 You don't have to feel depressed this morning to walk out of here. You can get rid of it right now. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. If you have a sickness in your body, I want you to come up here. Please keep worshiping, keep worshiping. This is the, this is the environment that God heals in. Come on, I don't want you getting silent on me. I want you to keep praising the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.